Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lawmaster Program. The AVB's predictions regarding the coming of the Lord God are fulfilled in the man, Tommy L. Hart. This is big, big news. The Bible's Lord God has come as predicted. But not only has the Lord God come, he has also come forward and revealed himself. He has told the people his name in compliance with Psalm 94, 1 and John 7, 4. Having performed the works that the Bible ascribes to God, the man Tommy L. Hart feels the bill for God. It is reported by those who know him best. He has done all things well. Let's hear from the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. I will present to you this psalm of the matter uh, with regard to the preceding episode dealing with the spirit, the spirit of God. This is the song, A, where spirit is a conscious incorporeal being, God is not a spirit. B, where spirit is an individual characterized by an attitude, disposition, action, etc., God is a spirit. C, where spirit is not having flesh and bones, God is not a spirit. C comes from Luke chapter 24, verse 37, where it is said, a spirit has not flesh and bones. So, Psalm 51 verse 12 says, Uphold me with thy free spirit. God is a free spirit. Now, this. God is a spirit by by definition of spirit, as in be above. And by definition, God is not a spirit, as in A and C above. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 14 says, The spirit of the Lord calls him to rest. Keep in mind A, B, and C. And what was said, in the preceding episode regarding God and spirit. Now, this statement in Isaiah 63, verse 14 says, again, the spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. Is that statement true or false? Upon examination and knowing what we know about God, knowing what we already know about God, who is found to be the man, Tommy L. Hart, the AVB's God. So knowing what we know about him, that statement, Isaiah 63, verse 14, the spirit of the Lord caused him to rest, it, it is not true. It says, um, 
Remember what we said about burden of proof last time? The burden of proof caused him to rest. That's how we, we uh, Isaiah 63, verse 14 is translated. Because remember last time we said spirit in one sense is burden, burden of proof. So the spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. We use the translation uh, that says the burden of proof caused him to rest. True or false? Well, this is the case. The burden of proof placed upon the Lord God, Tommy O'Hart, caused him to work. You got that? So the statement as said in Isaiah 63 verse 14 is deliberately false. Remember what I said? The Bible teaches on something, then it gives a test. This is another example, all right? Spirit, burden of proof. The burden of proof caused the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, to work. And as it is written in Psalm 119, it says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. So the burden of proof or the spirit of the Lord caused him not to rest, but to work. And what works have I? I have more than 500 episodes of Lawmaster Lawmaster program or Lawmaster episodes, more than 500. Somewhere around at this time, 525. That is 525 programs of Lawmaster or, or episodes of Lawmaster. Okay? That's a lot of work. Then there are over 8,000 tweets that the Lord God, Tom L. Hart, has set forth on Twitter. That's a lot of work. Then there are 22 products, books, on Amazon.com that the Lord Tommy L. Hart has put forth. That, too, is a lot of work. So the spirit of the Lord or the burden of proof placed upon the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, caused him to work and not to rest. Now, the statement I said, it is time, O Lord, for thee to work, that's in Psalm 119, verse 126. John 9, verse 4 says, no man can work. It is time for thee, O Lord, to work. That's what it says to me. I have worked. I, I am still working. No man can work. No man, remember, is a moniker for the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. And John 14, verse 10 says, he doeth the works. The man, Tommy L. Hart, does the works set forth in the King James Bible for him to do. Now, Psalm 111, verse 2 says about the works of the Lord, the works of the Lord are great. His work is honorable and glorious. 
he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. Now, Plato, the icon Plato, the great icon Plato, has his works are great. This statement applies to both. It applies to the icon Plato, and it also applies to the Lord God, the present Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, or the current Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. The works of the Lord are great. His work is honorable and glorious. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. All right. Now we're done with that. Now we leave the spirit and we go to the resurrection. The resurrection of the dead, Plato's principle. This is very exciting. Plato's principle on resurrection, fiction and fact. What is fiction in the Bible, the King James Bible, regarding the resurrection of the dead, and what is fact or what is truth regarding the resurrection of the dead. This is what we will find out in this episode. The question is, the crucial question is, is there a resurrection of dead people? Okay, to to be clear. Sometimes sometimes the Bible just says resurrection of the dead. Now, I must and we must approach this subject matter very carefully because there is a resurrection of the dead. What do I mean by that? I mean by that, a resurrection of the dead, a resurrection of dead issues in the Bible. All right? But we are not dealing in this episode with the resurrection of dead issues. We are dealing with the resurrection of dead bodies, dead people. All right? So let's get started with that. Now, I'll just say this uh, to start with. Acts 23, verse 8 says, there is no resurrection. That's what we'll deal with in this episode. Neither angel nor spirit. We dealt with the spirit last time. And I gave a psalm of that matter at the beginning of this episode. Here we will deal with the resurrection. Plato says in Acts 23 verse 8, there is no resurrection. We will see if that statement or I will show you if that statement is true according to Bible content or false according to Bible content. Right? Job 14.14 says, if a man dies, shall he live again? It asks the question. That's a crucial question, isn't it? We want to know, is there a resurrection of the dead? Plato says he asked the question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Same thing. First Corinthians fifteen twelve asks, How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? All of this is preliminary, okay? How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Isn't that what Plato said in Acts twenty three verse eight when he said there is no resurrection? And then there's Ecclesiastes chapter nine verse five statement. The living 
know that they shall die, but the dead know nothing. I'm sorry, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward. Hmm. The living know that they shall die. The dead know not anything. That's written in the book. But that's not what you hear many preachers and Bible, so-called Bible teachers say. Okay? Now, we want to know what the Bible teaches. Not We want to know not only what it says, because it says a lot of things. I just told you moments ago that uh, that one statement is deliberately false. But the Bible said it. Right? So, we have to know we have to learn. We have to know what is fact, what is truth, what things are true, and what things are false. Fiction versus truth. So, with that being said, let's get started because this is a very exciting subject matter here. Our lead statement shall be, there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. I can I can say for this episode, our lead statement is there is no resurrection. Right? Did you know that was in the Bible? There is no resurrection, it says. We're going to explore this matter, though, and we're going to come to a conclusion, a Bible conclusion, not my own personal conclusion, and you'll see that. Now, so let's get started with this matter. First, I have John 11, verse, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You're listening. Verse 26, and whosoever liveth, listen carefully. And believeth in me shall never die. Do you know some people who profess that they believed in Jesus, but yet they are dead? Jesus said in this statement, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, we don't want to get religious here, okay? The Bible, the King James Bible, is not a religious book. Yes, they use it in church. It's a ploy. It's actually deceitful. Okay? Now, so Jesus made a statement. And we are supposed to judge things. The Bible says judge righteously. Judge Righteous judgment Get the facts Get the facts of the matter Okay And make sure you do that Get all the facts Let's move on So remember Jesus said "Who said, I am the resurrection and the life He that believeth in me Though he were dead Yet shall he live Jesus is teaching the resurrection of the dead In this statement Yet shall he live And whosoever liveth and believeth in me Shall never die Mm, don't forget that. Always keep that in mind. Second, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. But if there be 
no resurrection of the dead. Now, this character who, who, who this is attributed to, we know Plato wrote this, okay? But he, he uses characters. The character here is Paul, a disciple of Jesus, right? A follower of Jesus, supposedly. Okay, First Corinthians fifteen thirteen. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. You believe in Christ? Yea, verse 15, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. I keep saying this. Don't forget what I have already put forth. Don't forget what we have already learned. We've learned that who God is, okay? So always keep, you know, don't forget the old information. Everything that I teach is related. These are not different subject matters all, all to themselves and all like that. These things are interconnected that I teach, whether I'm teaching on who is God or here in this case the resurrection or the spirit or no man moniker or whatever I teach. All these things are related. So you have to keep up. You have to follow along. You have to take time to go back and re-listen uh, re or listen to, listen to the, the the things in the archives. There, you have to you have to work. But the difference is, you don't have to try to figure anything out, because I I tell you all that you need to know. You just need to become familiar with the material that I have provided. Come, become familiar with it. Not try to search it out, all like that. As the Bible has said about the Lord God, tell me a heart. He does, he does the works. He's the one who, who, who does the works. You just study his works in order to become very familiar with what he has put forth. Let's move on. John 3, verse 16. So, if Paul says they have testified that God raised up Christ from the dead, then what God is he talking about? But like I said, in approaching this matter, we have to be very careful. Okay? But let's move on. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, back to the character of Jesus, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The, re the subject of the resurrection involves the thing of everlasting life, okay? Is there such a thing as everlasting life? Jesus has said, whosoever believes in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he that lives and believes in him shall never die. Okay? So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who is God? We have learned that. We have found that out, who God is. Now, the thing about it, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, does not have a son. Okay, okay, live in, live in the reality of things, okay? 
the Lord God taught me a heart does not have a son to give for the world, okay? But Jesus said, he said, he's declared God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Acts chapter 2, verse 31. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. Now, the issue of Christ, the thing with that is this right here. The Bible, this, this thing about Christ is not clear, okay? Some teach Jesus is the Christ. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible says about Jesus, it says Jesus who is called Christ, okay? Now, one can be called by a certain name, but that doesn't mean he is that that individual or that character. It says about Jesus, it says Jesus who is called Christ, all right? Moving on. I'm just setting forth statements having to do with resurrection, eternal life, things of that nature, okay? He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that the soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see correct corruption. Is there such a place as hell where you have burning fire going on and, and that people will be cast into this lake of fire? Is, is that a true thing? Okay. All of these things come up in the subject dealing with the resurrection. Acts 26 verse 8 asks, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Keep this in mind. Nowhere in the Bible is God commanded, and we know who God is. Nowhere in the Bible, the King James Bible, is God commanded to raise dead people. Okay? Now, Lord God, Tommy L. Hart raises dead issues Okay, he brings them back up. Okay, he brings up dead issues. All right, but we're talking about resurrection of dead bodies. All right. Okay, so should it? Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Acts twenty six verse twenty three, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light to the people and to the Gentiles. Now, light here, meaning knowledge, understanding. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that. I am showing light to the people and to the Gentiles. Notice how it separates the people and then it says, and the Gentiles as though the Gentiles are not people. I'm just reading what is written in the book, okay? Now, Matthew chapter 27, verse 63. Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Here the speaker is speaking about the character Jesus. And he refers to that character, Jesus, as being a deceiver. 
Okay? Keep that in mind. And he said that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, as though he's not alive during the time the speaker is speaking. Okay? And he says that the deceiver, Jesus, said before he died that after three days, and this seems to be a quote, quote, after three days I will rise again, end quote. There's a lot of information in here, okay, but it's real simple. All of the things here are talking about they have to do with the resurrection of the dead, okay, dead people, not dead issues, but dead people. Uh, the, the deceiver, as he said, Jesus, claimed that he would rise in three days. Well, rise after three days. John 7 verse 12 says, And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, Jesus. There was much murmuring among the people. For some said, he is a good man. He, Jesus, is a good man. Others said, nay, but he deceives the people. Can a person who deceives people be properly described as good? Okay. What do you think? But they said these things about Jesus, that he's a good man. Others said, okay, he's a deceiver. John 9 verse 16 says, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. And remember, the four books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John say, you know, they, they, they show you that Jesus, the character Jesus does not keep the Sabbath day. All right? And in not keeping the Sabbath day, that makes him a sinner. A sinner, a sinner is synonymous uh, with the word and to the, word, to the word criminal. Jesus was a lawbreaker. That's what the, 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 the speaker here is saying. This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Now, we're talking about the story of Jesus, okay? Now, Matthew chapter 27, verse 22, and remember, I've said this just very recently. What's the question? Matthew 27, 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? I just told you about that, didn't I? And this is just one of the statements that says that. Okay, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And I told you what you should do. I showed you from the Bible what the Bible says you should do. The Bible says, forsake the foolish and live. Now, keep in mind what Jesus is described as being, a deceiver, a criminal, a lawbreaker. Keep, it, keep these things in mind. I know they don't teach these things in the, in the, in the black church, okay? But we, we want to know what the Bible has to say, not what the preacher has to say. Now, yes, the, the admonition, the counsel given in the Bible concerning what to do, about, what to do with Jesus is, is simple. It says, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Who does the Bible credit with giving understanding to the people. 
it credits God for that. Okay? God has a responsibility of giving understanding of Bible content to the people. And that's what the Lord God timing of heart does. So, forsake the foolish and live. Is the Bible calling Jesus foolish? Well, the question was asked, what should I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? And the answer, the proper answer is forsake the foolish. Leave him alone. Let it go. Let let it go. Let that teaching that you have regarding Jesus that you receive from the church or somebody, let it go. Give it up, okay? Forsake the foolish. Live and go in the way of understanding. And we know that the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, gives understanding of Bible content. Go in the way of understanding. It's something. The church, I know the black church does, the black church, biracial church, whatever you want to call it, it does not teach Bible truth, okay? It teaches fiction. Yes, they have a Bible. They read from the Bible. They teach Bible fiction. They do not teach Bible truth. Okay, let's move on. Don't want to get stuck on something that is not, you know, so real, real relevant to us now. But these things are relevant because they come up uh, as I go through these, so they are relevant. They are connected. Now, Matthew 1, verse 16, many of whom was born, okay, Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. That's the second statement that speaks about Jesus being called Christ. It does not say that that was his name. It says he was called Christ. Who called him Christ? Uh, Peter called him Christ. Paul called him Christ. Does that mean mean he was a Christ? No. It says Jesus who is called Christ. Okay? That's very important. That's a very important distinction. Being named Jesus and being called Jesus. Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 4. He, listen to this. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. I'm reading from the King James Bible. And the truth is not in him. Who has said, I know him? Because the scripture says, he that says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments. No, I know God, but he knows God, but he doesn't keep God's commandments. The Bible says that individual, that character, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Let's move on. Number 12, John 7, verse 29 says, but I know him. (laughs) Jesus is talking about God. And here in the state, in this statement here, he says, I know him. What did our preceding verse say? It says, he that says, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Well, Jesus said, I know him. And Jesus broke commandments given by the Lord in the story, okay, in the story. He broke the Sabbath day. He broke other commandments. The Bible says, don't deceive. The Bible teaches against deceiving people. Jesus was a deceiver. Keep these things in mind. Just keep them in mind. You can always come back and re re 
or, or listen to the episode, okay? Y'all always come back and go go to Law Master Archives. Listen listen to the episode again. Okay, but so the Bible clearly says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, talking about God's commandments, the commandments given to the children of Israel in the Bible, okay, that that person is a liar, and not only that, but the truth is not even in that individual. And we find in John 7, verse 29, where Jesus says, I know him. And Jesus did not keep his commandments. Jesus said, but I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. <laughs> the Bible here in these two statements is calling Jesus a liar. Now, notice the terms that are coming up. Deceiver, liar. Notice those two words associated with Jesus. Deceiver, liar, and this characterization. The truth is not in him. We're reading Bible, King James Bible. Number 13, John 9, verse 24. We know that this man is a sinner. Here's another thing against Jesus, the character, coming from the King James Bible. We know that this man is a sinner, John 9, 24. A sinner is one who breaks laws. Jesus broke God's laws in the story, in the Bible, King James Bible. Jesus is a sinner, and they admit that here. They say, we know that this man is a sinner, and he calls other people to break uh, the word of the Lord. Remember, he told a blind man, he told some man uh, to pick up his bed and walk, and that was an unlawful act for him to do, for the man to do, to carry his bed on the Sabbath day. So Jesus not only was a sinner himself or a lawbreaker or criminal himself, he enticed other people to break the law. Okay? Now, if the Bible says, thou shalt do no work on the Sabbath day, what does that mean? It means just what it says. You are not authorized to do any work on the Sabbath day, whether it be good or bad. Because the Bible says, Whosoever shall do any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. And is not that what happened with Jesus? Let's move on because I I do want to get all this in in this episode, so I'm going to try to talk a little and read more, okay, or talk less and read more. We know that this man is a sinner. Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness, now that was about Jesus. He's a lawbreaker. He's called a sinner. He entices other people to break the law, and he's charged with being a, being a deceiver. And he's said to be a liar. Those things are not good. For one, supposedly, you know, for a leader. Okay, let's move on. Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now we're back, we are to Peter and John. We talked about Jesus. Jesus is incredible, okay? 
that doesn't mean good. Incredible here means unbelievable, not credible, absurd, okay? And from there you go on. I did in search in following the terms when I was looking them up. It went on to foolish. And that's why I said the answer to what shall I do then with Jesus, that answer is found in that statement that says forsake the foolish and live. Okay, and go in the way of understanding. Go in the way that the Lord God Tamiel Hart teaches. Now when they saw Acts four thirteen, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, listen carefully, and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> they were disciples of Jesus. How did what led them to the conclusion or to the perception or conception that these men were ignorant and unlearned and couldn't be trusted in the with you know in their teachings. They realized that oh, these are unlearned and ignorant men. Oh, and by the way, they are associated with the character of Jesus. <laughs> okay? All ignorant and unlearned. That's what the Bible is saying, okay? Let me read it again. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. This is not good. They marvel. Jesus' disciples, Peter, John, labeled as ignorant and unlearned men, and in their ignorance, the authorities saw and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Well, Peter and John walked with Jesus. But yet the authorities see them as being, after listening to them and observing them and all, they, they deem them ignorant and unlearned men and finally saw a connection uh, with Jesus. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. They walked with Jesus, but yet they were not wise. Plato said, birds of a feather flock together. Keep that in mind. <laughs> Peter and John walk with Jesus. Peter and John are labeled and found to be ignorant and unlearned men. They flocked with Jesus. Okay, Plato says, birds of a feather flock together, and the Proverbs says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. They walked with Jesus and did not become wise, Peter and John. Moving on, Acts 24, verse 15 says that there shall be a resurrection both of the just and the unjust. Now, this is a follower of Jesus saying that, that there shall be a resurrection both of the just and unjust. John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, now we're back to Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, listen, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. What does everlasting life mean? It means you live forever. There is no death. That's what, it means. That's what everlasting life means. 
everlasting means forever. It keeps going. It keeps continuing. It doesn't stop. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Hmm. He just said that the person had the individual has everlasting life. Now he says the individual is passed from death unto life. Now there's a problem in that statement. Okay. Remember, ignorant and unlearned men. Earlier, Jesus said, he that liveth and believeth in him shall never die. Get the connection? See what the Bible is saying, okay? See what the Bible is saying. Earlier, he said that, he said, he that liveth and believeth in him, Jesus, shall never die. These are conflicting things Jesus is saying. In one, in one, death occurs, and in the other thing, he says, death is not a factor. He makes things up as he goes. That's the character of Jesus. You can't trust anyone like that. The character, the character, listen carefully, is confused and mentally unstable. What the admonishment says, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. The character of Jesus here, the Bible shows a picture of him that he's mentally, okay, that he is confused and mentally unstable, and that, that you can see in his, his words, in his statements. They're conflicting. But what has been already said about Jesus? One, this has been said, he deceives the people. Two, this has been said, he is a liar. Three, this has been said, the truth is not in him. That is not a good picture at all. Now, this is the King James Bible's view of the character Jesus. This may not be what your preacher teaches about Jesus, okay? Jesus is incredible, unbelievable, not credible. He is absurd in his speech and in his actions and all. Remember, he enticed other people to break law, to break the law. Now, number 18. Jesus and his disciples speak about resurrection, but know that the King James Bible does not hold Jesus and his disciples in high regard. I just told you, ignorant and unlearned men, actually, the King James Bible condemns them. Take the things I've said about Jesus as a word to the wise. A word to the wise is sufficient. Remember, I present to you things that the King James Bible teaches, I give clarity to what that Bible has to say, and it is pretty clear that what the King James Bible teaches, the Israelites, the Israelite churches do not espouse in many other things taught. The Israelite churches teach the opposite to truths that are in the Bible. The, the church teaches diametrical opposites to truths to truths in the Bible. Number 19, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, all die, all will be made alive. Is that statement so? All die, all will be made alive. 20, Daniel 12, 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. 
What am I doing? I'm showing you statements having to do with resurrection of the dead of dead people. Okay? John 5, verse 28, marvel not at this. Get this. The Bible says, don't marvel at this. Don't be amazed. Now, what is it, it, it is saying don't marvel at? Jesus says, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. The Bible says don't marvel at this. This is no big deal, okay? Don't marvel at it. Okay, verse 29, he goes on to say, And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. That's what Jesus said, okay? And the Bible says, do not marvel at that. (laughs) That's not good, okay? That's what the Bible says, don't marvel at it. All right? Now, Isaiah 26, verse 19, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body Shall they arise Awake and sing Ye that dwell in the dust For thy dew is as the dew of herbs And the earth shall cast out the dead I'm just reading statements Having to do with Resurrection of dead people Bodies 1 Corinthians 15.37 How are the dead raised up And with what body do they come you hear that again if I finish this, there is much ado in the King James Bible about a certain resurrection and judgment. But I need not go into Daniel 7, verse 9 through 11, where it says, The ancient of days did sit, where thousands, thousands ministered to him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And it says the judgment was set, the books were open. Does the King James Bible teach of a certain judgment day? I need not, number 25, I need not go into Revelation 21, verse 4, where it says God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Number 26, and I need not go into Revelation 21, verse 8, where John says, All lives shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which John says is the second death. And I need not go into Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, where John speaks of seeing a great white throne, and he saw the dead stand before God, and he speaks of the dead being judged. The sea, death, and hell giving up the dead which were in them. Number 28, and I need not go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse, verses 16 through 17, where Paul says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Defying all kinds of laws of gravity, no, I need not go into any of those things. 29. The King James Bible is a book having fact and fiction, truth and nonsense. Okay? Truth and nonsense. The King James Bible asks, what is truth? With regard to the issue of a real physical bodily resurrection of dead people, what is real? What is the truth of the matter? I will show you what the King James Bible teaches authoritatively on that matter. From this, you will be able to judge the soundness of the above statements on the, on the resurrection. Have you heard the statement in Job fourteen fourteen? If a man die, shall he live again? 
That's an intelligent question, but that question is not left unanswered. An intelligent question demands an intelligent answer. 31. Three questions here. One, if a man dies, shall he live again? Two, 1 Corinthians 15, 37, how are the dead raised up? And three, with what body do they come? Three intelligent questions. But what does Plato say in answer, or does he indeed give an answer? Well, yes, Plato gives an answer, and it is pretty much straightforward, clear to the point. His answer to question number one cancels questions two and three. I'm almost finished. Number 32. I go now to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 through 55. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 33. There, there is lots of action going on in that passage. With everything happening in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet sounding, the dead rising, people being changed, corruptible putting on incorruption, mortal putting on immortality, all culminating in death being swallowed up. Much is going on. But is all that real? Is any truth there? Watch this. Preceding all that action in verses 52 through 55, there is a powerful statement in the same chapter at the end of verse 50, saying, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Wow, what a statement. What a smasher. I say it again, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. That one statement shatters all that action <laughs> stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 52 through 55. That one statement is Plato's principle on the resurrection of dead bodies. Corruption does not inherit incorruption. A decomposed body will not be recomposed and stand up or live again. What, does, what Plato does in 1 Corinthians 15 verses, verse 50 is he states a principle. Then in verses 52 through 55, he offers a lengthy statement that is in opposition to that principle. He sets forth a principle, then gives a contrary statement to see if the student has grasped the principle. Plato's principle says the dead do not live again. The action-packed statement, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 55, sounds good but is not good. The principle shatters it to pieces. Remember the principle. Corruption does not inherit incorruption. Plato's question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Plato's principle says an emphatic no. Just about finished. A few more lines. Number 35, does the principle have support elsewhere? Yes, there is. Where? In Job chapter 14, the crucial question, if a man dies, shall he live again, is in verse 14. And in that same chapter, Plato answers his own question. I go to Job 14, too. He Man cometh forth like a flower and is cut down, he fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. I underline the phrase and continueth not. If a man dies, shall he live again? Plato says he continues not. I go to Job 14, verse 10. It says, 
but man dies and wastes away. Yea, man gives up the ghost, and where is he? Plato says, man dies and wastes away. And number 38, and now I go to Job 14, verse 12. It says conclusively, even uh, definitively, so. Here, here's the wrap-up. Here's the conclusion. So, man lies down and rises not. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Plato says man lies down in death, and he does not, will not, cannot live again. That's it, people. The Bible teaches against the resurrection of the dead. The Bible teaches clearly the dead, dead bodies, decomposed bodies even, will not rise again. In other words, that's where the sin comes from. When you're dead, you're done. When it comes to the dead living again, remember this. One, Plato's principle, corruption does not inherit incorruption. And two, Plato's definitive statement, man lies down in death and rises not. Those two things rule out a judgment of the dead. Do follow me on Twitter. <clears throat> Always make long after our task your dwelling place. Go to Amazon.com and uh, pull uh, order from my list of books there, uh, the Prodigy, from the Prodigy series by Tommy L. Hart. And join me next time.
WC 